listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. One of the things that uh, someone that's preaching is, usually tries to do is have some type of story in their introduction that ties in some way uh, into uh, what the sermon content is all about. And so something happened a few days ago that made me want to tie it in. It really made me want to tie that event, or that gift rather, into the sermon. And there's no way it fits into the sermon. There's no way to connect it. So I just said, you know what? The heck with it. I'm just going to talk about it anyway because it's weird. It has nothing to do with the sermon. Uh, tradition, tradition that's uh, weird for me because in Puerto Rico we don't do this is white elephant gift exchange. Um, some of you know how it works. You steal gifts and uh, you get weird gifts. It's always impractical or really funny gifts. So I just, I wanted to tie this into the sermon, but there's no way. Uh, James, can you show what I got for, like, that's a Santa head. I don't know if you could see it. That's Santa's head. I, I want you to see the eyes. Can you, see, you might be able to see the eyes through the beard. It's an ornament. It hangs on a tree, okay? It hangs on a tree. There's, there's no body missing to it. There was no original body that was supposed to be attached to this. It's just a creepy Santa head. That Kim Day gifted to me because she got it and couldn't explain why she got it. Um, and I've had to sleep under the same roof as this thing. And my wife wanted to burn it. But I just, I really needed to talk to this. I need to uh, talk about this. I needed to process it because it's, yeah, there's, it has nothing to do with the sermon, but whatever. Anyway, talk about weird Christmas traditions. <laughs> um, now... Back to the sermon. Again, nothing to do with it. Back to the sermon. Here's the thing. We've uh, started a series known as Glory to Glory, or From Glory to Glory. And we've started this ambitious task of going through the Gospel of John from start to finish, starting with Christmas and ending uh, with Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday. And actually, we're going to add one more week right after that because we're going to talk about events after the resurrection. Um, so it's a really amazing, uh, task that is daunting and it's hard. And so throughout the Christmas version of it, what we've been doing is week by week, taking a few verses from chapter one of John. But what you're going to notice is that after Christmas, we're going to pick up the pace and we're going to go chapter by chapter every week. So that's Easter Sunday lands with the resurrection. Um, so what, why am I saying this? I want to encourage you guys to, uh, invest time into the book of John because we can't hit everything that the book of John has. What I, what's amazing about this gospel is that it looks so simple because it's just Jesus mostly talking about who he is and interacting with other people. What you see is a lot of just Jesus. I mean, there are miracles and things like that, but you see Jesus interacting with people and talking to people about who he is and the controversy that surrounds that. And so we just won't be able to hit everything. So I encourage you, make the book of John the, the book of your Bible reading season uh, uh, until Easter comes. Um, the passages that we're going to read today are actually at least for the most part, related to a universal theme. 
Uh, and we find it in movies and stories. This is a theme that comes up a lot. Uh, here's how I wrote it. The theme of wanting to leave your past aches behind and become a better person. This is a universal theme. It shows up in movies all the time. Someone that's trying to run away from their past mistakes. They don't want to be associated to that old person. But then somehow in the middle of the movie or in the middle of the story, their mistakes come back to haunt them. And they're trying to leave that past behind. But in a sense, uh, that past is, you know, pulling them back in. Um, and so it, it, it's a very universal theme. And the passages that we're looking at today in chapter 1, I think... Uh, for the most part, allude to this about leaving those past sins, past mistakes behind. And the movie that came to mind when I was thinking about this um, is a Marvel movie, of course, <laughs> Ant-Man. Um, and in the, in the MCU, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, Ant-Man, our, our main hero, um, he's, uh, he's trying to leave this past uh, of, well, he was a thief, or as he would call himself, a burglar. Um, he wants to leave that past behind, but somehow that, those old sins are pulling him back. He wants to start a new life. Now, uh, since I know we have a lot of uh, comic book geeks here, um, I have a prize. I'm going to ask a really easy trivia question, and I have a gift for whoever answers it correctly. Um, and it's really easy. Now, I know a lot of you are going to try to scream it and yell it and all that. So it's going to be by show of hands, okay? So I'll, I'll pick someone from the audience. Who knows the character's name of Ant-Man? What's his, his real name? Phil. Very good. That's, that was a trick question, and you got it right. Uh, so give it up for Phil, who knows his, his stuff. Phil, I, um, I have a prize for you, Phil. Merry Christmas. Whew. I'm glad I got rid of that. <laughs> oh, my word. <laughs> All right. So, yes, um, Ant-Man, <laughs> his character, um, he, uh, Scott Lang in the movie, the, the new Ant-Man, as Phil was putting it, gets out of prison. Um, but the problem is his old friends are trying to pull him back in. And again, this is not a theme that we haven't seen before, even in Godfather 3, which is the bad Godfather. Godfather 1 and 2 masterpieces, Godfather 3, crap. Okay. But in Godfather 3, that quote, just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in, right? So universal theme. And so the problem that happens with Scott Lang's character, um, he, uh, society won't give him a chance really because he has this criminal record. He ends up working at Basking Robbins. He loses his job because they find out about his criminal record. Society won't give him work. And then on top of that, he has a daughter and his ex-wife and uh, her husband are saying, look, if you want to be in your daughter's life, you have to provide alimony. You have to be a full part of her life. And he can't get a job. And so this person who was struggling to, 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 to go the right path, even when his friends are telling him, look, you need a job. You're, you're the guy for this. We need you. Uh, we need your expertise. And Scott's trying to leave it all behind. But then circumstance 
forces him, unfortunately, and his friends back into that old identity. And so that, that's kind of like the back theme to that movie when you watch it is that aside from all the cool effects and all the great action is this person that has a skill set and he wants to use it for good, but the past consistently pulls back at him, his past mistakes and even how he's perceived by those around him. So that's, that, I think we can all relate to that. And Christmas is in a lot of ways exactly about that because in Christmas we celebrate that God came to the world to freely give us a new start regardless of our past or our cultural background or our race. Let me say that again. In Christmas, we celebrate that God came to the world to freely give us a new start regardless of our past or our race or our cultural background, whatever it is. See, all of us have mistakes. I mean, heck, the worship band just went through one, right? <laughs> Pastor Jason was like, let's erase your minds, right? We, we want to leave those mistakes in the past. We don't want people to remember them, right? It happens. <laughs> so because of that, we're going to take uh, off in verses 10 to 13. Actually, that's what we're going to cover today from chapter 1 of the book of John. Again, a few weeks ago, when we kicked off the series, we started with verse 1. And uh, Brian last week ended with verse 9 of chapter 1 in John. So now today we are going to be going through verses 10 through 13. Now I'm going to throw some complimentary passages while we're discussing these concepts. But keep in mind that those are the main passages. The other passages I'll, I'll talk about might not be on the screen, but they're just complementary passages. So let's go ahead and read these passages. Referring to Jesus in verse 10, it says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So the first point, we're going to have a few points that we're looking at today. But the first one is that even during Christmas, the world still does not know that God was with us in the flesh. Even during Christmas, the world today does not know that God was with us in the flesh. We talked about this a few weeks ago, but the world thinks about Jesus in human terms only and says he was a great moral teacher and that's it. But they don't want to uh, deal with the supernatural aspects of Jesus. They don't want to deal with his deity um, with the fact that he says he's the only way. And so in this case, it's a, it's a, problematic concept for society, the fact that God walked amongst us. In fact, in Matthew 1, verses 20 through 23, uh, the angel of the Lord appears to Joseph in a dream and says, um, she will bear a son, referring to Mary, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And later on, it tells us, Matthew reminds us that this was spoken by the prophet it says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So again, God walked amongst us in the flesh, but was unrecognized. This is what verse 10 is alluding to when we read John 1. It says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. And this, this is so imperative because 
Christmas, with all of its, you know, uh, American traditions, pulls us in. And some of those traditions are great, but in reality, what we're really talking about is the fact that God was with us. He walked amongst us to establish a new person, leaving the old person behind. He causes us to be born again, as we'll see. So all things were made through him. This is God. A few weeks ago, Pastor Jason mentioned in verse 3, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. It's a very complex, seemingly complex passage, but it's saying if anything was ever made in this universe, Jesus made it. So if you ever talk with a Jehovah's Witness, for example, Jehovah's Witness doesn't believe that Jesus was God. Again, he came to the world, but the world did not recognize him. And so often, when you talk with a Jehovah's Witness, both of you might focus on verse 1. My advice is that with grace and with love, invite him in or her in and show them verse 3, which says, All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So Jesus wasn't made because he made everything that's made. (laughs) Mind blown. Nothing was made outside of Jesus. He is God. But the world doesn't recognize him. Point number two. Christmas celebrates a hope for all races and all cultural backgrounds. This goes back to the main theme we started talking about. Christmas celebrates a hope that's available for all races and all cultural backgrounds. For that, in the same chapter, John 1, we focus in on verses 11 through 12. It says, he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. See, let's unpack a little bit of background related to these passages. Israel in the Old Testament was God's chosen people through whom God would bring what we call the Messiah, the anointed one. Israel as a nation, when Jesus comes, doesn't receive Jesus. That's not saying that some Jewish people didn't receive him. They did. Paul was a Jew. But the difference is that as a nation, which is how they primarily identified themselves as these special select people of God, as a nation, they did not recognize the Messiah. And the Messiah was supposed to come through them. In fact, he's from the line of David. He is in the the flesh. The man side of Jesus is a descendant of Israel, of Abraham, of the promise. But see, Jesus does something radical in these verses when it says that his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So even though he wasn't accepted by the Jewish nation, he was accepted by people of all races and by being accept, by accepting him, regardless of your cultural or ethnic background, you will become a child of God. Because of Jesus, all can be accepted by God on his merit, Jesus' merit. Which means there is no longer an upper hand on being a certain ethnic or cultural background. No longer. Not in the kingdom of God. Maybe in the kingdom of man, but in the kingdom of God, there is no upper hand. The most important aspect, which is being accepted, forgiven, 
welcomed, adopted by God, that which is the most important thing in life is done for. And all we need to do is believe, receive Jesus to become children of God. This is a common theme in the New Testament. Paul tells us in Galatians 3, for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God. This is not just a coincidental passage. This is alluding exactly to the same thing. Paul is reminding them, you're not special for being an Israelite. You're not special for being a Greek. You're not special for being a male or a female. In fact, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you were, uh, as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. The division is gone. The upper hand of society is gone. Hope for all races and all cultures. This isn't saying get rid of the distinctions. This isn't saying get rid of the fact that you might have, like for me, I'm a proud Puerto Rican. Like I'm always going to celebrate that. But I'm not more special than anyone else. I celebrate my diversity and I celebrate the uniqueness of my culture while I celebrate the uniqueness and culture of others around me, right? I, I love that through the Allens, I am consistently learning more about Mexican culture, consistently, and I love it. There's a lot I'm still learning, but I love it. And so what this passage isn't, say, it's not saying I should say, well, you're not Mexican, I'm not Puerto Rican, we're just Christian. What it's saying is that there's no upper hand, There is no upper hand. We both have the same hope, the same access to the same gospel of Jesus Christ that gives us hope to be a new person born and approved by God. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's the hope that Christmas celebrates for all backgrounds. Point number three, faith is about receiving a free gift through devoting your full trust in Jesus. Faith is about receiving a free gift through devoting your full trust in Jesus. Verse 12 in John 1 says, once again, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. We already read that passage, but what I want to do is focus on how you become a child of God. It's through receiving slash believing, two sides of the same coin. The Greek word for faith is pistis or pisteo, depending on the derivation, on how it's used. If it says believed, it's pisteo, I think. There's different variations, again, depending on the grammar and how it's used. Now, this Greek word, what it implies is personal trust. This means that when we trust in the name of Jesus Christ, his name, trusting in that, that means it refers to all that is true about him, Lord and Savior. And therefore, the totality of Jesus Christ. When I put my faith in him, it is not an intellectual agreement with the fact that he's cool, he's Jesus, he's God. That is not faith. Faith is not me saying, yes, he died for my sins. I I agree with that, and he's God. Faith is a total commitment, a devotion. 
He's offering a, a gift and it's me receiving it. But that means I'm receiving it on the terms of what faith encompasses. The very device by which I obtain the gift. Faith is how I get the gift. And faith, pisteo, that Greek word, is a total devotion, a total trust of who I am in Jesus. I lay it all aside and I devote myself to him. That's what faith is. It is a total surrender, a total trust in him for everything. Not just for salvation, but for lordship. This is why it's so important because in society consistently, there are many people who think they are Christians because they say, yes, Jesus died for my sins. But there is a key question. He is a savior, but is he your Lord? Jesus is both, and you can't get half of that. You get either the Lord and Savior or none. You can't get partial Jesus. You have to put your full trust in him for everything, not just for salvation, but for lordship. So remember, we receive a free gift by total surrender, total trust in who he is, and not in myself. Point Number four, this is the last point where we're spending uh, a few more minutes on. In Christmas, we celebrate that we can leave the past behind and be born again. Like Ant-Man. Like, well, not like uh, the Godfather, no. (laughs) He never runs away from that one. Um, But yes, like Ant-Man and like many other stories that we've read, we can... Leave the past behind and be born again. Even if the kingdom of man reminds us consistently of our past, we can leave it in the past. In verse 13 of John 1, it says that referring to those that believe and accept Jesus, as we read in verse 12, it says, all those who were born not not of blood, meaning You didn't descend from Jewish heritage, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. This is the decisive passage that directly alludes to that. You're not born into some select group, some elite group, ethnic or cultural, that gives you the upper hand with regards to God. What gives you that is being born again. So to all who did receive him and that did uh, believe, place their pisteo, their faith in him, those are born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, not of the will of man, but of God. Born again. This is essential. And in today's society, this is maybe, without people knowing it, the most controversial statement of all. We live in a culture where we celebrate how we're born. We live in a culture where we celebrate the circumstances of our personhood, the circumstances that make us a special sort of way because we were born that way. Jesus says, I know you were born that way. You must be born again. And this is incredibly countercultural today in today's postmodern society the celebration is be how you were born be with be, uh, accept the identity of those traits in you that 
came with you from birth, Jesus says, I died so that you can leave that behind. I died so that you can be born again. If you're frustrated because you can't defeat the things that are inbred in you, Jesus says, I died to give you victory so that you can be born again. The solution to the past and to the things that we don't, that we're not supposed to do that are in us. The solution to that is not to run and embrace it. The solution is to say, Jesus died for me so that I can be born again. And I can't do it on my effort. It says there, it is not of the will of the flesh. You can't wish yourself to be better. You must be born of God. It's a supernatural event. You can't on your efforts do this. You can't leave the past behind. You can't leave what you were born with behind. The inclinations or the temptations, whatever it is that you struggle with, you can't on your own effort leave behind. You must be born again. It's a supernatural event. And so the question that we must ask ourselves and that we must preach to society is, if Jesus died for us, are we willing to be born again for him? If Jesus died for us, are we willing to be born again for him? Because we, we love some of the things that we were born with. We love some of those inclinations. We, we in fact, embrace them as part of the, the identity in us that we're supposed to celebrate and rejoice in. But Jesus says, no, self-deny because I self-denied my life for you. I love you that much. I purchased your salvation if you would just receive it. Behold, he knocks on the door of your heart. So that's the key question. See, think, think about this. Listen to what uh, the, 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 the uh, Apostle Peter tells us in Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mo- mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Born again. When Nicodemus, later we will see in chapter 3 of John, comes at night to talk with Jesus, Nicodemus tells him, you're a great moral teacher. You must be a man of God. Jesus doesn't even address that comment. Jesus says, you must be born again. You must be born again tells him, in fact, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus confused says, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. We need his Holy Spirit to have that new birth. And Jesus is telling us it's part of the combo that you get by placing your faith with him. The question is, are we willing to be born again? Are we willing to leave behind the past? We've succumbed to the past before, just like Ant-Man, just like Scott Lang. But we have, different from him, we have a supernatural aid that will cause us to be born again. So if we were to summarize everything that we've addressed aside from Santa's weird head, if we were to address everything in one summary, here's what we would say today. While culture celebrates how we are born, Jesus freely offers us the miracle of a new birth, a new beginning. 
While culture celebrates how we are born, Jesus freely offers the miracle of a new birth, a new beginning. The question is, will we preach that to others if we've already embraced it? And if we haven't, will we embrace that new birth, remembering that we do it for him because he died for us? Let's pray. Father, thank you because we're not born into a special select ethnic group or a special select culture that has an upper hand, but that in fact, we can freely access the gift that you give us. It's a gift. It's a grace gift. And we can freely access it by placing our total trust in you and by dying to ourselves and being born again. It's hard for us to preach this in today's society, which says embrace how you were born. But Father, we ask you that you give us the boldness and that you'd open the eyes of our hearts so that we can see how much more glorious, how much more satisfying, how much more redeeming it is and fulfilling to be born again in you. Show us the beauty of that grace, of that love, of that mercy, and show us the beauty of total surrender in you. As we take offerings, as the ushers have come forth, we ask that, that at this moment, those of us that are giving, that, that we would grow from our exercise of worship and that we would see this as an exercise of worship and that we place our trust in you, not in ourselves nor in the money that we make. And that you would take these tithes and offerings and use it not for personal gain of anyone here, but for the kingdom of God. To sustain and maintain the ministries and the efforts into the city of Redlands. Bless them, multiply them. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.